0: It is my joy to welcome you to today's podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you in a special way during our time together. And since this is our first Sunday and about communion, I'm going to talk about the covenant and the communion. So let me just begin by a very important question. What is a covenant? Sounds like a very big word. So let me ask you a simpler one. What is a promise? They say that a promise is an oral or written agreement between two people, to do or not to do something. But what's a covenant? A covenant is a binding and a solemn agreement with clear obligations and responsibilities. So if you ask me, what is the difference between a promise and a covenant? Hear it how it goes. A promise. Your child can promise you verbally that he will do his homework, clean up his room, and be a good boy or a girl. Now, this depends if he keeps up his promise. They say that promises are meant to be broken. He, can, he probably will not clean up the room or might not do his homework. It's a broken promise. But a covenant, on the other hand, is goes something like this. Suppose two of you are getting married. So when you're getting married, the physical evidence of your marriage would be a ring on your hand, a signed document which is legal, and these two things will remind you that you are legally married. And that's how, that's the difference between a promise and a covenant. But I just want to draw your attention to the biblical covenant in the Bible. What is a biblical covenant? A biblical covenant is this, when God is promising or God is making a covenant with man. And that is more serious than the first two ones. And we see throughout the Bible, in the Old Testament, the word covenant in Hebrew is beret, which literally means to cut until blood is shed. We see that in Genesis. Genesis 3:21 says in the garden of eden when adam and eve sinned god took an innocent lamb cut it and took the skin and he clothed both of them that was the original blood covenant god made with man in the garden of eden but why blood because the bible is a book of blood right from genesis From the blood of Abel, crying out to God, to all the way in Revelation, we see that Jesus, dressed in a robe, dripping in blood, is full of blood. But why blood? Because the scripture says that the life is in the blood. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Life is in the blood. The blood covenant is probably one of the most oldest and powerful rituals around the world. It is made in many, many religions, even in occults, because they know the power of blood. In many countries, including in India, they often give blood sacrifices or human sacrifices or animal sacrifices, this is given to gods. So blood is very, very powerful. The biblical blood covenant are very powerful and they are binding, but they are also holy. Look at some of the covenants that God made with man in the Old Testament. Noah, God's covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with them saying that he will preserve him and his family from the flood. Only his family was saved. And the Bible says that after 40 days and 40 nights of flood, when Noah and his family came out, Noah built an altar to God and offered a sacrifice to God. And that became the blood sacrifice of Noah. When God smelled the aroma which emerged from that sacrifice, he was pleased and he made a covenant Covenant saying that he would never destroy the earth again with flood, but also he put a rainbow, a promise, a sign of his covenant that he made with Noah. Look at the covenant he made with Abraham. Genesis 15 says that God made a covenant with Abraham for three things. Number one was for children, number two for the land, and number three for blessing. God made a covenant with Abraham. And he fulfilled all of that. Number three, we see that God made a covenant with Moses. This was a mosaic covenant, which included the Ten Commandments, but also the commandments of blessing and curses in Deuteronomy. If you choose, you will be blessed. But if you don't choose, then you will be cursed. And all of these covenants were covered with the blood of the animals to make atonement for their sins. The fourth one was, the covenant with david god made a covenant with david god promised that david's lineage would last for a lifetime that his kingdom will never pass away how did that get fulfilled through jesus our king who will reign in david's throne forever and ever in the old testament there were certain rituals which were done each time the blood covenant was made in the ancient world When two Hebrews got together, they would do certain formalities. And I'm gonna give you six points what these formalities were. Number one was they would take off their coat, robe, and belt. We see that in 1 Samuel 18, where Jonathan is making a promise, a covenant to David. What does he do first thing? Symbolically, he takes off his coat and gives it to David. In those times, A person's robe represented that person. And when he gave his coat to him, he was saying, I'm giving all of myself to you. In my total submission, I pledge to you myself. Then he takes off his belt and he gives it to David. A belt hold the armor together, the dragger, the bow, the arrow and the sword. So what was, what did it meant? It symbolically meant that I give you all my strength. I'm pledging my support and my protection to you. I will fight for you, I will help you, I will protect you, and you do the same to me. That was the covenant David and Jonathan made with each other. The second thing that we see is cut the covenant and mix the blood. In Genesis 15, God is making a covenant with Abraham. And he asked him to bring some animals together. He says, once the animals are brought together, he says, cut them into half and put it opposite to each other. And when he split that, God said, I'm going to pass through that and make a covenant. And that's what God did. By cutting the animals, the man was saying, I'm dying to myself and living for you. The second part was that if I don't keep the part of the covenant, God do this to me. Cut me into half. That's what it meant. And God passed through that. He made a covenant with Abraham. The third thing that we see about the covenant, blood covenant, is change of names. Genesis 17, we read that when God made a covenant with Abraham and Sarai, He changed their names, Abraham, was became Abraham, and Sarai became Sarah. That's what God did in their lives. The fourth thing is, they would raise up their hands and mix the blood. They would raise up the right hand, cut the palm to, and bring it together, and they would intermingle the blood. This would symbolically means that two people are becoming one. They would become intermingled. They believe that they are becoming one. Then they would make a scar the scar was a witness between them that they made a covenant with each other. It will always remind them of the covenant and responsibility for each other. So the scar would be their seal to testify of the covenant they have made. Number five, we see they would plant a memorial. They would now make a memorial which would be remembered for a long, long time. So they would plant a tree and they would sprinkle the blood of the animal on that and they would say that as long as this tree would endure and live, our friendship, our covenant would be valid and it will live. That's how they would testify. Number six, what they would do is eat a memorial meal. They would always, always finish their covenant by eating a meal together. They would celebrate. They would eat the meal together and that's how they would close their covenant. In the biblical time, one didn't use the word friend so loosely as we do today. They would become friends only when the cut covenant was done. And this would bind them to their children and to the children. That's how the whole covenant was done in the Old Testament. And then there was a 400 years silence in the old, after the Old Testament and between the New Testament A silence prevailed, not a word, not a prophecy, nothing was speaking. God also kept silent. And then comes the new covenant, Jesus' covenant. And we see that how the shadows became reality when Jesus came and fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies to the New Testament. And he says, I'm establishing a new covenant with you. In the New Testament, the word covenant is called in Greek, which does not involve two parties, but only one. Instead, one side, it was a one-sided covenant. It was a covenant where one party does something and the other party just receives that covenant. And that's how it was. Jesus, in reality, fulfilled the shadow which the offering and the covenant which was made to Noah, Abraham, Moses, and David God knew that in the right time that he would send his only son to fulfill that covenant of the Old Testament and to make it perfect Jesus sacrifice was the ultimate sacrifice the sacrifice that it no longer needed after it was done so how did Jesus fulfill all the six rituals number one we see the mantle exchange We see that when Jesus was taken to the trial in his crucifixion, the soldiers mocked him, they stripped him off his clothes, and they put a scarlet robe on him. They spat upon him, they mocked him, they put a crown of thorn on his head, and they took off the robe which he was wearing and led him to crucifixion. That's the first thing that Jesus took off his earthly robes. But he did something amazing. He gave us a mantle of righteousness. He was stripped so that you could wear a clothes of righteousness right from God. What an exchange. Absolutely brilliant. He clothed us with the word. Father recognizes a clothes of righteousness. We don't have to wear the garments of unrighteousness, filthy rags, but he took it and gave it to us. The second thing that we see in the crucifixion is the cutting of the covenant. Jesus went on the cross. Isaiah 53 really describes this. Surely, he took up our pain and bore off our suffering, stricken and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yes, the Lord crushed him. He suffered. His body was broken, his hands were pierced, his side was pierced. And that's what he showed it to his disciples. And further he says, I have engravened your name on the palm of my hand. That is precious to us. His hands were pierced. The third thing is change of name. Revelation 2:17 says to to the one who is victorious. I will give you some of the hidden manna. I will also give you that person a white stone with a new name written on it, only to be known to the one who receives it. God has already given us new names. We are called the sons and daughters of God. We called the children of God, but he's going to also give us new names. I'm waiting for that day when my name will be changed in heaven. I'm waiting for that day when God will give me a new name. And I'm sure that you are excited about that too, in case you don't like your name. But God is gonna give us a new name. Number four we see is, he still bears those scars on his hands. John 20 talks about Thomas. After Jesus was crucified, and he met some of the disciples, they were so excited, they went and said, we have seen the risen Lord. He says, I will not believe unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger in the nails where it were put and my hand in the side, till then I will not believe. Guess what? Jesus' resurrection body still carried those scars. Says a few words down, he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and see my hands. Reaching out, your hand and put it on the side. Stop doubting and believe. Can you imagine? After Jesus was crucified, it would have been very well for him not to have the scars, but he still carries those scars in his hands, in his side, and on his feet. The fifth thing that we see is about the memorial tree. Galatians 3.13 says, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Isn't that amazing? Jesus planted a tree, the tree on the cross, and that became the symbol of Christianity. He planted a tree which will never be removed, and every time you and I see the cross, we see his sacrifice. We see his promise. We see his covenant, a symbol forever. He prepared a meal for us, the sixth one, John 6 verse 53 says Jesus said to them very truly I tell you unless you eat the flesh of son of man and drinks his blood you have no life in you whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day for my flesh is the real food and my blood is the real drink whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. What a powerful scripture that is. Jesus prepared a meal for us, not just with goats and animals, but he says, do this in remembrance of me, a lasting one till Jesus comes. And that leads to the third point, the covenant leads to the communion. So in the Old Testament, God agreed to forgive people of their sin if they brought an animal for the the priest to sacrifice. And that would just continue on for a long time. But when Jesus came, he converted that old covenant to the new covenant. He instituted the new covenant, an agreement between God and humans. And under this new covenant, Jesus would die in the place of sinners. Unlike the animals, his blood was truly remove all the sins because he was God, he was pure, and the sacrificed lamb of God. Jesus' sacrifice would never be repeated again. It was good for once and for all eternity. In fact, Hebrews 9, says, all these things were only copies or shadows of the better covenant to come. The lives of animals Could never remove sin. The life of an animal was not sufficient. The blood of goats was temporary, but the ultimate covenant was made with Jesus Christ, God's only Son. No wonder John calls him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we are in the new covenant, the cut covenant. I love this. Scripture in Hebrews 10, 19, it says, "'Therefore, brothers and sisters, "'since we have the confidence "'to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, "'by a new and living way opened for us "'through the curtain that is his body.'" How wonderful is that? When the curtain was ripped off, anybody could enter in. That was the cut covenant that any man could just approach God directly one sin for all. When, God, when Jesus did that, he was saying two things, that he has done it, never to do it again. And number two, it was done for everyone, all those who believed in him. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's what Jesus meant. And that also opened up for Holy Communion, a covenant partner, Matthew 26, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Understanding the blood covenant helps us to understand the Holy Communion. Holy Communion was never intended for us to be a, a just a ritual for us that we do probably each week or each month, but it had a meaning to that. Communion should, each time we take the communion, it should lead us to a fresh commitment, a fresh dedication of our lives, a reminder that we have been bought by the blood, a covenant that we have made with God that Jesus took our place and I want to give you a very fascinating story from Africa I read this account of mr. Henry Stanley the man who was sent by the government of England to find David Livingston a missionary who had gone to South Africa and who did not return for a long time when Stanley was traveling through the dark continent he repeatedly came in face with tribes who had no intentions of allowing him to pass through that passage safely. Many of his team members had died on the way. His guide and interpreter began to tell him about the importance of the cut covenant with these tribes, saying that he doesn't have to be their enemy, but can become a friend if he comes and does this covenant with them. The term cut covenant was nothing but he had to slash off his hand and let the blood ooze out and he would have to rub it against their hand together, thus becoming blood relatives or blood brothers with tribe. And he finally did that. One time he was passing through a very powerful village, and the chief of that village demanded some a gift from him. Stanley had only one treasured possession, and that was his goat. Since he could not eat much in the jungle. He would just live off on the milk of this goat, which would provide nutritions for his body. He was very hesitant to give that goat to this chief, but the chief demanded it. And Stanley hesitantly gave away the goat to the chief. The chief did not require it, but he was testing Stanley's commitment. After Stanley exchanged the goat, the chief gave him his old spear. Stanley took that spear in his hand and says, what a bad bargain. What will I do with this spear? But he just walked away. And as he continued his journey, he carried that spear everywhere he went and strange things would happen. Everywhere he went, people began to bow down to him. They would recognize the spear that belonged to one of the most powerful chiefs in Africa. Stanley soon learned that with that spear, he could gladly ask anybody, anything, and people would give them. So he asked for goat's milk. Then he asked for goat to be given to him. He not only got one goat, but he got a herd of goat who would give him the milk he, his body needed. And that's exactly the way with God. God requires our sincere dedication and obedience. And once we do that, he gives us something so far precious and powerful that we, whatever we require in our life, we get that. God wants to give you his blessings. God wants to bless our lives, but would you just exchange that for some of the things in our lives which we are holding on so desperately? We don't want to exchange that, thinking, oh, what if I lose this? But mind you, God has some better gift for you. You and I, are in a covenant. And the story not ends here. The same village, some of the people didn't have to go through the blood covenant, so the chief would send somebody on their behalf to do the blood covenant, and the person who represented would cut himself, does that substitute, and the covenant is established. That's what Jesus did for you and for me when God wanted to make a covenant with us the blood covenant, probably some of us were afraid. He sent his son as a substitute for you and for me to make that blood sacrifice and to be our representative. And because of what Jesus has done, we have two-way communication. We can approach God directly without fear. We can go before God and present our request before him. So that leads me to the fourth point, the blessing of communion. Now, there are many people who do not recognize there's so much of blessing in the Holy Communion. The Lord's Supper is also called the Lord's table. It is the Lord's table. He is the host. He is our representative. He is inviting us to come and partake. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 16, it says, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ, and is not the, bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. This is a blessing cup. What are some of the blessings we can receive? Number one, it gives us life. John 6, 53, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. That means for your spiritual life, you need to participate in the Holy Communion, because that's where life flows from. Number two, forgiveness of sins, Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. My friend, if you are struggling with your sins, if your sins are not forgiven, if you're not sure whether your sins are forgiven or not, I want you to just start participating. Ask Jesus to forgive your sins and start taking part in the Holy Communion. I did that many years. As a young child, my father told me about the story of Jesus. When I learned about the story, when I came to the church, I asked Jesus to forgive my sins and I began to take part in the Communion. Number three is to dwell in him. John 6, 57 says, Just as the living Father sent me, and I I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. So if you don't have the joy of the Lord, if you don't have the life which God wants you to live, then I want you to just come. Ask Jesus to give you the life, the joy will be complete. Number four, healing of sickness. Isaiah 53:5 five says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his tribes we are healed. If you're struggling with sickness, I want you to pray, wherever you are, take those elements in your hands and just ask, Jesus, forgive my sins, heal me of my disease, God, send forth your word and heal me. He promises us that by his stripes, we are healed in our physical body. Number five is ushered into the Holy of Holies. Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, oh, you don't have to stand outside. You don't have to think, oh, will God hear and answer my prayers? We can boldly approach his throne in prayer, in petition, and he will hear and answer us. Number six, is united as one body. 1 Corinthians 10, 17, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in that one loaf. Isn't that amazing? That during this entire lockdown, this is our third communion that we're having, and people are scattered across the city, probably across this nation, or across the world. If you're sitting and watching us, you know, what we're doing is so powerful that we're uniting as one body. You're sitting in your homes. We're in Hyderabad, and wherever you're sitting, we are becoming one. How? By what Jesus has done. We are uniting ourselves because what Jesus asked us to do, we are remembering his death, his suffering on the cross, his redemption. So we are uniting as one body. So take courage, participate, become one. Lockdown does not have to divide us, but Jesus is our common factor. The communion is unifying us together as one body. We come together before the Lord because he sees us as one body. We are the children of God. So participate in this. These are the blessings that you can see once you and I participate in the Holy Communion. And my prayer is that you will actually see the covenant and the communion and see them together. What Jesus, what God promised that he will give us, to the, what Jesus has done, that we participate, that we can be one. I want you to close your eyes this morning time, and I want to pray with you. And I want to especially pray for those, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and your sins to be forgiven, would you bow down your heads and ask Jesus to forgive your sins? Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone, Lord, who are watching us. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that if there's anybody, Lord, who have not asked Jesus to forgive his sins or her sins, Lord, I pray that they will open their mouths, Lord, this morning time, confess their sins repent. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that you will forgive their sins, that you will write their names in your book, Lord. Father, we pray, We thank you for Jesus who died on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that this is our Communion Sunday, Lord. We pray a blessing over everyone, Lord, who is watching us, and I pray that you'll come into their hearts, into their homes. Bless them, God, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you would like more information about our church or would like to make a comment, Please mail us at info at newlifeag.in God bless you.